Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hi and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Stephen and uh, for those of you who are eagle-eared, if that is a thing, um, Celine obviously isn't here today. She would normally do the introduction. She's not very well, um, so hopefully she's feeling better uh, very shortly, but um, I'm very happy to not be on my own. I've got two really interesting guests today. I've got John Hamill and Seamus from the Free Thought Profit podcast. Um, it's a podcast that discusses secularism, science, religion, and well, from particularly John's standpoint, some strange ideas about Scotch whiskey. Uh, <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show. Very happy to be here, Stephen. You're very kind to invite us. <laughs> Uh, my pleasure. Um, great. So uh, some of uh, our listeners may well listen to your uh, podcast too. I, I think the Venn diagram, there's uh, something in the middle there that, that some may may know both. So if not, then check it out. But um, tell us a bit about your podcast, if you will, and um, you know as much as you want to about yourselves, really. Uh, well, let, let me give you the, um, the uh, background of the podcast itself, because um, um, it's a pretty incredible story, but it's not my story, and Seamus is too modest to tell it properly. Um, so Seamus used to be um, in law enforcement um, in the States, and um, I won't go into the details, but uh, while on duty, he had a, a particularly uh, horrific accident. And um, fast forwarding through some medical details, he had a near-death experience. And I guess we're all familiar with lots of stories about um, uh, atheists who have an NDE and they mm. see the light and talk to Jesus or some other uh, celestial character. Um, mm. And then they become uh, profound, devout and uh, pious religious people. Uh, well, Seamus actually went the other direction. Um, so uh, Seamus was a, um, a a reasonably conservative Christian, I think it's fair to say, Seamus, oh, yeah. before his NDE and um, lost his faith uh, afterwards. And uh, again, I won't go through uh, all the details, but suffice to say, in the environment where Seamus was working, it wasn't... Um, uh, it wasn't particularly conducive to an easy life to be an out and vocal atheist. Um, so mm. uh, the uh, the brand, the Free Thought Prophet, uh, came from a necessity to be um, anonymous online after Seamus's uh, NDE. Um, so yeah, I, I keep telling Seamus he's got to write a book about this mm. someday, especially because um, in comparison. Um, my story is very, very boring. Um, I was uh, raised a Catholic in Ireland and then decided that that was nonsense and so got excommunicated. <laughs> yeah, he was the, uh, the, uh, the Pendulet uh, kind of uh, finding your way out, right? Just reading the Bible That's and right. coming to the conclusion that this is all rubbish, you know, so. Yeah. That's right. So there, there's, um, I guess there's very few people who leave a faith um, who have the kind of light bulb above the head moment. Um, for most people, um, not all, but for most people, I think it's kind of a long, slow process. And um, uh, that was the case for me too. It was kind of a long, slow process. Although if, if there was any moment when I finally said to myself, right, that's it. Um, you know, it wasn't uh, reading one of the books of the Four Horsemen or anything like that. Uh, I, I read those books after I'd already made my mind up. Hmm. Um, but uh, one, when one period uh, in, in my life when I was having a bunch of doubts about Catholicism, I saw a program on TV with um, Penn and Teller. 
and uh, there was an interview with Penn Gillette and obviously not an interview with Teller. Uh, but Penn Gillette was uh, asked about his um, atheism and he made a remark which uh, at the time I, I thought it was his, but I've since learned lots of people said the same thing before him. Um, but uh, the first time I heard it was from uh, Penn Gillette. He said, if anyone's interested to make their minds up or having some doubts, the best thing to do is just go and read the Bible. Uh, and I thought, well, that makes perfect sense. Uh, who, who could object to that? Surely not even a Christian could object to that. So um, I skipped out the Old Testament because um, the flavor of Catholicism that I got uh, included this idea that... Um, uh, the Yahweh character in the Old Testament was this uh, horrendous dude, but then along came Jesus, meek and mild, and changed all the rules. If mm. you think about it, that's a bit crazy because they're mm. both supposed to be the same God. But anyway, mm. uh, I skipped out the Old Testament and I just read the Gospels, uh, and I thought, this is such boring dross. It cannot possibly have been written by the creator of the universe. Um, it is just deeply and profoundly boring um, and that's when I made up my mind uh, right that this has to be nonsense right okay interesting so for you it was um, so I, I always tend to think in terms of um, sort of doctrinal differences or, or not believing mm-hmm. in the doctrine and then on the so the people that leave Jehovah's Witnesses I think do fall into these two camps one is this doctrinal doubts and the mm-hmm. other one is is that they they start to see the people within the organization and the way they behave and they think well you know that doesn't look really like um you know particularly sure. christian organization and i was the former I, I didn't have any problem with people to be honest with you um i didn't fall out with anybody yep. it was just um i just couldn't really believe it anymore it's just i just fought so yeah, hard to believe it and i couldn't so you were the same as that um yeah and, and i have to say yeah. I, I think uh, i think you're right actually Stephen. that um uh people when they tell their kind of um stories of losing their faith fall into the two categories that you mm. described um if if you don't mind me having a bit of a stab at the people in the other category Go for uh, it. i mean in, in ireland in particular um which is a very catholic country uh, the majority of those explanations come down to things like the child abuse scandals and um, bishops behaving badly. Um, but, <clears throat> I mean, if the Christian story is true, there's nothing about the Christian story that says all bishops are going to be perfect. I mean, you, if the Christian story was true, you would still expect there to be bishops who behave badly. So I, I, I don't understand the leap from my local bishop was an asshole last week to therefore Jesus doesn't exist. Um, that just seems bizarre to me. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't understand that particular um, rationale, although I, I agree with you. It's a very common one. Um, but uh, I think I fall into the same camp as you. I, I just mm. didn't believe the doctrine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I could understand... Um, to some degree, Jehovah's Witnesses have such a, um, a, a an elitist way of, of thinking about their own religion in that, you know, it is the one true religion. Jehovah mm. is, yeah. is leading the organization and um, it's the example, you know, witnesses to Jehovah. You know, it, mm-hmm. it is held up as being okay. um, the pure, you know, unadulterated true sort of thing. So um, I guess... You know, if if you are in an organisation that thinks that, then it's it's a bit fickle or it's a bit um, uh, fragile is the word I'm looking for. You know, if yep. you start to see things wrong with it, then that that you know, actually you would expect um, the one true religion for everybody to behave really well. So yeah, I guess that's um, that's where that's the, the logic. But no, that makes no, sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Seamus, obviously you were a bit different in that you had this um, well, this moment. Well, the church I was in was a Church of Christ, which I don't know how familiar you are with them. I always say that they're, they're kind of like uh, Westboro light. You know what I mean? They say all the fun things at the pulpit, but uh, don't, uh, you know, go to the activist yeah. kind of level. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they definitely believe that they're the one true. Because um, mm. there's a couple uh, couple uh, things in scripture about, you know, well, obviously, if it's, you know, the church was built on the rock and the rock was, you know, the faith and 
you know, it's Jesus, and, and you know, look, the name's right there in the name of the church, so therefore, we're it. You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, when I, the, the, the near-death experience was pretty much the catalyst for me. Mm. I still mm. didn't, like, you know, bail out the next day or anything. Mm. It was, uh, it still was a little bit of a slow. Actually, whenever I, I doubled down and try to like really, you know, be a good Christian and all that. And between reading it and the other one other book here was uh, The Dial of, De- of Death by Ernest Becker. Yeah, I mean, there was, I wouldn't say, a, you know, like a light bulb moment. There was just different points that just like stuck out. And, you know, whenever you really look at this stuff, you just can't keep moving the goalposts because that's what's what you're doing right i mean yes. you you read stuff that's just clearly nonsense and mm-hmm. conflating with you know previous scriptures and all this all mm-hmm. over the place it just all falls apart and then the other thing that really kind of did it for me was um jesus himself i watched the the documentary um the god that wasn't there i believe it's what it's called yes uh, that's right yeah and uh, they, whenever they, it was the first time I ever was presented with the idea of uh, the historicity of Jesus. And, you know, once you look at that, you know, that's kind of hard to, to really see that this guy ever existed. Everything else just really falls apart. I mean, yeah, and, you know, yeah. and if you look at the Gospels themselves, they just, you know, and that was the one thing that I really wanted to get into whenever I uh, started the podcast was look at the mm. gospel. And that was one fun thing that uh, me and John got to do, where we looked at all four of them at once instead of, you know, doing the, okay, we're going to read Matthew, we're going to read Mark, like they tell you, you know, in school to do. No, we looked at them, you know, all parallel at the same time, and then you could just, you, the th- it was just, you know, it's, you can't hide it then, you know, the, the conflating nonsense between them. It was just, yeah, it all really falls apart pretty easy on that. So what's your what's your view um, currently about the historicity of Jesus? Do you do you, do you doubt that then at all? Do you think he, he may have just been a, a sort of compilation of of various different stories? Or yeah, uh, that's where I come down on it. That I don't believe that there was a singular figure, you mm-hmm. know, that uh, did all this. I mean, there's just so many flaws in the story, especially about the Romans and how they acted, and you know, just like that they. Uh, what seasonally let go a prisoner? Are you kidding me? You know the freaking Romans. <laughs> you, you know, just uh, there's just there's you know the the Josephus uh, yeah Josephus argument mm-hmm. is terrible. I mean, it actually really kind of sheds light that there actually is a fraud. You know that this was a fraud, a story. Um, yeah, it, it's just I think it's just a. Uh, I don't want to say it's a uh, cut and paste kind of thing, but I think it's more of a uh, Jewish. Uh, reinvention of the dying and rising gods, right? Because that was a mm. kind of the, a fad that was going around, and you know, it was the, you know their kind of you know Kabbalistic view of uh, if this if we had a figure like this, what would it be? And then you know, obviously there were some people that ran off with it, and here we are. Mm. Seamus convinced me about that actually, Stephen. I, I was never yep. um, mythicist to begin with, but. Mm-hmm. Um, over a number of discussions and a number of podcasts, uh, yeah, Seamus has convinced me of that point too. And, um, and John's convinced me of two important things: uh, ice and whiskey, uh, <laughs> and the uh, the argument of free will that there is none. Oh, so. okay. Oh, crumbs up. We've never approached that one yet in our podcast. Oh. Um, I, I'm yeah. We there's a lot that we haven't um, dug into yet. I, I'm very I'm a very slow thinker. It takes me a long time to. Um, to come up with uh, my own particular opinion, so I just I just hedge a lot until uh, eventually I. <laughs> well, the uh, the good thing about uh, mythicism and determinism is that um, in their respective fields, they're very much the minority view. So, if you want to get an educated scholar to come along and tell you why Jesus really existed as a historical figure. Or why there is really free will, um, it's not that difficult to do. Um, mm. So, I mean, we had a few discussions back or forward with Dr. Julian Bagini, um, uh, who believes that free will is compatible with the laws of physics and um, all of those other good things. 
Uh, and yeah, th- those are two good rabbit holes to go down, I think, uh, not least because they're minority views. He also gave uh, dubbed us pub philosophers, so that was that's right. That was fun. <laughs> oh, I saw that comment. Yeah, I saw you. Uh, you didn't like that comment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did. I thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was nothing wrong in that, is there? Um, okay, yeah. So just going back to your experience, Seamus. Um, sure. I, I don't know how much you want to kind of get into that, but I, I'm curious of of what in what sense that um, was a catalyst. The um, the near death experience. You know, what sense did it make you think differently? Um, or well, operate as that catalyst. Well, again, maybe, and I'm, you know, this is me thinking about it now, as opposed mm-hmm. to when I was sure. in it. But I think a lot of the problem for me of what I experienced was was the lack of things that I expected. Right, I right. expected some sort of comfort, right, some sort of spiritual experience, you know, with a deity, whether it be Jesus or. You know, I found out, oh, shit, you know, Muhammad, you know, whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, but there was none of that. It was just pure dread. Uh, I just, I mean, I thought I was dying or I knew I was mm-hmm. dying. Uh, and the other thing was, you know, not being able to see my child again was, you know, on my brain. And it was just scaring me to death. Um, the <laughs> the visual or whatever I was seeing is pretty close because John's an <laughs> asshole. Uh, it's pretty close to our uh, little logo that pops up whenever you uh, see any of our videos. It's just like a kind of like a geometric plane that just keeps kind of like repeating and going on forever. But it was like no real colors. It was this very dark black and white kind of mm-hmm. repeat. Like if you ever watch those gifs, uh, like the what's the like the Escher kind of things you know what i mean that just like yeah, you look yeah. into it and then you keep Looks seeing like the mirror moving, something. yeah it was mm-hmm. just like that and it was just uh it was just terrible i mean it was absolutely terrible uh i'm, I'm not looking forward to it again at some point you know <laughs> so, um but i i came out of that scared to death yeah. grateful that i was alive um sure. but it shook me because i'm thinking you know if there's a jesus where was he you know, where was God? Why didn't God comfort me? Or why didn't I see a light at the end of the tunnel or, you know, anything like that, you know? And I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, I've had a few Christians tell me, well, God was trying to tell you that, you know, you needed to get your life together. That's why he wasn't there for you. Like, you know, well, geez, yeah, he could have like showed up and literally told me. Just you actually know? told you, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's always like, he always likes to get these puzzles, doesn't he? You know, it's always about a, a puzzle, isn't it? You know, try to piece these things together and uh, work it out. Yeah, that's right. You know that old yeah. joke, Stephen, about um, um, the way that uh, so many Christians will wear a crucifix around their neck or have mm. a, a, a tattoo of a cross or whatever it happens to be, um, and people point out actually when Jesus comes back, a cross is probably one of the last things that he's going to want to see. Yeah, exactly. uh, I, I had one of those um, experiences with um, Seamus where I was putting together the um, uh, the little graphic for the start of our podcast. And I found this one with the horizontal plane that uh, Seamus described and this kind of repeating geometric thing and a gap in the middle where I could write the free thought prophet, which came from Seamus's NDA experience. And then I had, um, uh, you know, waiting all day for, uh, for the time difference to come around and uh, get on the, the blower with Seamus. What do you see what I've got, Seamus? This is going to be great. <laughs> Seamus did not think it was great. Well, <laughs> that's, um, that's, that's, yeah, that's quite an interesting um, subject, actually. About uh, so, so our podcast is um, it, hopefully more than just ex-Jehovah's Witnesses listen to it. In fact, I know they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess um, that's that's a quite a big part of our audience. And um, I guess that when people come out of a of an organisation like that, they've had everything given to them, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. what you believe and what the hope for the future is, and so on. And I think um, I suppose this applies to lots of religions. This this fear that you know the the end death is the end mm-hmm. um is is frightening um, jehovah's witnesses don't believe in an immortal spirit so for them they do believe that when you're dead you are dead you are unconscious you are completely uh, no more but that you you are still alive in god's memory and actually god is going to resurrect you mm. um in onto a paradise earth so they they, it's quite very different from the Catholic or the sort of traditional 
um, Christian beliefs, but they mm-hmm. still have this hope. So I think what people fear is this annihilation question, you know, just death is um, is the end. And I think that's something that ex-Jehovah's Witnesses and ex-Christians, ex-fundamentalists and, and so on um, struggle with. Um, and you're, you've talked about that quite quite well there, Seamus, in your experience. You know, how did you guys... Do you guys deal with that uh, or do you think about that or how have you come to terms with with feeling that way? Uh, as far as that? Um, oh, good question. Um, yeah. Well, f- firstly, um, I've listened to Seamus talk about the NDE quite a few times. Um, yep. I have absolutely no desire to do anything like that myself. So um, I think a lot of the times when people um, think about their own mortality, and have anxiety about it, uh, especially in the in the sense of the book uh, by Ernest Becker that uh, that Seamus mentioned earlier. Uh, personally, I think uh, people fear dying a lot more than being dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's certainly possible to have anxiety about what you're going to leave behind and whether your um, your kids are uh, going to be uh, looked after and your family and all the rest of it. Um, I mean, un- unless you actually do believe in a hell, which I don't, um, I mean, uh, there's no fear of being dead, uh, I don't think, uh, but I-, I certainly have a fear of dying, and that doesn't look like much fun, mm-hmm. uh, especially the process that Seamus described the last time he died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a, it is one of the big drivers, isn't it, for belief. Um, I feel that that's, you know, it's one of the reasons why people do cling on to their, their yeah. religious beliefs. I think it gives it gives them something to um, to cling to, even whether they deep down believe it or not. And this may be why people leave religions at some, you know, for fairly trivial reasons, because actually it's not that deep at all. It is just mm-hmm. that sort of emotional crutch that allows you to think about that. And and if you leave that one, you can find another one. And I, yeah. I just wonder if that's at the heart of a lot of the, um, you know, at some point hum, human beings became conscious and self-aware. Um, and it is that, uh, you know, the, the wonderful thing that we have is that we know we are alive. We know we, we have a future. We know we have a past don't think my dog knows all those things um so it's completely oblivious to the fact that it one day it won't be here um mm. but we have that that knowledge and i think that is the hardest bit of um you know that that is the unfortunately the bit that comes along with the great thing that you know you you know you know you're alive and you, you can appreciate it mm-hmm Right. Um, so, okay. So that's interesting. Now I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, um, so w- one of the things that I'm sort of noticing within, um, the XJW community is that, um, I guess it's always been there, but I think the more uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, ex-Jehovah's Witnesses seem to be, uh, seem to be coming out of the, 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 the closet all over the place. You know, there's, um, there's a lot of activity, with that comes uh, more and more voices, which is fantastic. Uh, but also with that seems to come um, disagreement and a bit of factionalism um, and so on. And um, I- I've noticed that in the atheist community too. Yep. Um, so I-, I kind of, uh, I'm not particularly interested in getting into all the sort of detail about why sure. why people fall out with each other, but I'm just interested in, you know, what what what's going on there. Have you got any thoughts about why why we can't seem to all get along <laughs> yeah it's um uh i mean i think your general observation uh certainly aligns with how i see things Stephen. and um yeah without getting into the details of any particular organization um from my perspective um it seems to me that a lot of the uh community has been distracted by just political discussions so you see a, a number of people in groups um, on the left or uh, with particularly woke perspectives, and you see some others with very anti-woke perspectives. And to my mind, those are both uh, entirely legitimate views. I mean, I, I don't agree with very much um, that the more woke commentators would say, but I mean, their views as valid as mine. Um, that, that, to my mind, that just comes down to the usual 
political arguments that we're going to each uh, argue out. And, you know, me and Seamus would take sometimes the same view and sometimes opposite views on uh, different political points. But then, uh, I mean, that that's just evidence of the fact that those political discussions don't really have anything to do with atheism or secularism or humanism. So I really don't understand why all of these organizations and to a certain extent, some high-profile atheists uh, seem to be at each other's throat these days. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as far as I can make out, their their arguments uh, have nothing to do with atheism, which, you know, I mean, that's fine if Seamus and I are uh, arguing back and forward about some point we disagree on. But if you're, if you're all in, you know, a group, the, the very purpose of which is to argue for um, secular outcomes and secular policies. What I mean, why sh- couldn't there be room in such an organization for people on the left and for people on the right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't see why atheist groups need to divide along political lines, which is, seems to be what they're doing at the minute. Yeah, it's incredibly tribal, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. I mean, this whole canceling people out, and both sides do it. It just they do it in different ways. Uh, and, uh, you know, <laughs> if anybody doubts that me and John have arguments, there's plenty of evidence. And some of the ones line, in the DM, Seamus, are yeah. uh, a bit more fiery. Oh, yeah. But the bottom line is, I mean, and maybe that's just, you know, uh, the benefit of just, you know, our uh, mutual uh, respect and affection towards each other. It's mm-hmm. never really personal. And we know at the end of the day, you know, we're still friends. It's mm-hmm. you know, because. Mm-hmm holy shit, somebody else is allowed to have another opinion than me. You know what I mean? And that just seems to be a problem with everybody. It's like everybody has to be fit into a mold. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, I, and I'm not going to get into the whole Dave Chappelle thing because that's kind of relevant now. But um, it's like if he disagrees with one part of what somebody agrees with, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I agree with him, by the way. That's a whole other. But sure. because he just disagrees, you know, with somebody on this area, then he should be cast away to an island and never heard from again. You know, <laughs> I mean, and it's not just him. This is this is kind of the idea that people have. It's like everybody has to fit into this universal mold and believe and accept everything that is said. And that's just that's insanity. It really is. I mean, people are allowed to have different, you know, different opinions. You know, I just don't understand why we don't come down to it. You know, I mean, it's it's come down yeah. to that, that there's a religion within the atheist community, right? I mean, they're becoming puritanical about this, and you know, yep. they want people to be cast off the island. It's just, I don't understand that. Yeah, I I, I wonder whether uh, I mean I, I know social media is an easy target um, mm. to blame for for this stuff, but um, I mean I've used this illustration before you know I, I don't know if you guys have watched the harry potter movies or read the books um but um i've slept through quite a few of them and um, <laughs> you know there's a there's a bit at the beginning of the first one that um where, where he goes into uh, this you know the big room and there's this sorting hat uh-huh. um and the sorting hat i i just see twitter as um the the electronic version of a sorting hat if you think about mm. what it's doing it's constantly um, sorting us into theoretically ever smaller and more well ever tighter and more um, specific groups because you know what what you tend to do is you tend to unfollow those people who say things that you don't like and you follow those people that you like or that say things that you like and then that reinforces you know you say things that they like and then before you know it you you really do have this um, these bubbles of, um, of of opinion um, and I I think it's it feels like it's partly that it's that you know that the comments that you make on Twitter are almost seen as you putting your flag to the mast and saying, right, this is, this is the group I want to belong to, you know, come and have me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like that's kind of what's happening. So I wonder whether that's, that's part of it is that, you know, organizations are also coming under that pressure to feel like they have to, they have to identify with very specific groups and more and more uh, specific as, as time goes on. Yeah, it sounds um, like it's... what you just described. Uh, sounds like, you know, you go to a place uh every you know once a week 
and you get your ideas reinforced, mm. right? Yeah, and you know, cool. yeah. So I mean, it really sounds like the same kind of thing, right? I mean, does, a lot it? of this, so, does. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was a. I suppose there was another argument fairly recently that um, I, I thought was quite interesting. It wasn't political, I don't think, um, um, in particular, but it was um, it was around the definition of atheism. I don't know whether you um, mm-hmm. you you were sort of observing that, but um, there was a, a fairly bad tempered um, argument and discussion about in whether atheism is is. <laughs> Yeah, is whether it's about um, not um, be, having a strong position that there is no God, or whether it's just the lack of belief in God. Um, mm-hmm. And this 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 became quite a heated discussion. I don't know whether you what your your thoughts were about that discussion. Uh, yeah, I mean it's one of those things that comes and goes. Um, uh, I've uh, I've seen that argued a number of ways, and uh, people have come up with different kind of qualifiers, uh, haven't they? They talk about uh, hard atheism and soft atheism and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and I've seen that argument actually. Uh, it comes and goes about um, the term agnosticism mm. too. Um, so some people have the view that an agnostic is someone who just doesn't know. Uh, and therefore, everyone is an agnostic, um, and then other people define agnostic as a, a kind of uh, apathy; they just don't care. And other people define it as kind of atheism light or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, when you when you end up talking to a philosopher, uh, you you have to define your terms at the start of the discussion. Uh, mm. So maybe philosophers don't. Uh, don't get into these arguments because they're used to defining their terms. Yeah, and I like Steve. Okay, I mean we've had Steve on the show a couple of times. I think he's a good guy, and I do. I just think, and I don't think he's a dishonest actor, and that's probably why I respect him. But I don't necessarily agree with this idea that you know of what atheism is actually agnosticism, and I, 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 I don't know. To me, it's it's a weird hill to die on too. Yeah. You know, but uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm left. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm left with the question. Uh, you know, do I really care? And and I'm I'm not sure I do. You know, but obviously, some of these guys really do care because they get really upset about it and really angry about it. And um, I I don't know. Maybe there's something wrong with me. You know. But to my mind, all of those discussions about terms and what does this word mean, it all comes back to um, this idea that language is a living thing that evolves yeah. and words change mean, meaning over time. So like with any word, it kind of means what the speaker uh, intends it to mean at any given moment. Um, so yeah, it, it seemed like a bit of a storm in a teacup to me. Yeah, I guess humanism is the other the other one that has yep. um, recently also been a uh, an area of debate. So I'm a, I'm a member of the the UK humanist um, the humanist UK I think it's called. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I do some I do some little work for them. I, I visit schools and talk to the kids about humanism and so on. And of course they they ask you know they want to know uh whether you believe in god and so we have to talk about all of that uh, which is great and and i think you know when you when you come to think of it having arguments about um the the minutiae of words i know that they're children so they won't understand Mm -hmm. all that but you know you do wonder how how important it all is really um at the end of the day um so, so what what do you think is the future for? Um, so, so obviously in the UK, there's um, a growing. It seems to be growing uh, more secular sort of outlook in on life. Yeah, uh, I don't know what it's like in in Ireland and, and the US. Um, still seems to be very religious in its outlook. You know, what what is the future? Um, are we are we going to have a rational um, world at some point in our lifetime? <laughs> Well, good question. Um, uh, I think you guys are a little ahead of us in Ireland. Um, you still have bishops in the House of uh, Lords, absolutely. Though, don't you? Yeah, um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think the, the the main problem in Ireland actually is that our uh, statute book is far, far behind where the population is. So our constitution, uh, we have a written constitution, and... Um, 
uh, the statute book in terms of the the laws that exist in the country uh, are still both quite religious. So, for example, you have to swear a religious oath to be president or to be a judge. Um, you have um, uh, quite a lot of religious influence in the education system that's uh, backed up by uh, by the law and the constitution. Um, so the, the job of work for atheist and secular and humanist groups in Ireland is really to reform the, uh, the written laws and the written constitution to catch up where really quite a pluralist population now is. So if you look at the census, I think um, at the last census, it was about um, 78% Catholic. But then you have to wonder what that means because we had three referendums to change the constitution uh, recently, um, which all went against the church view uh, by a large majority, like two to one votes uh, for abortion, for gay marriage and to repeal blasphemy. So, um, I mean, you do the numbers and mm-hmm. basically large numbers of people are ticking the Catholic box uh, in the census, but yet voting for a secular republic. So, yeah, our, our laws are still quite religious, but the population isn't. Um, and as I often tell Seamus, as the number of devout Catholics goes down and down in Ireland, it seems most of them are moving on to the United States Supreme Court. Uh, so, um, yeah, um, I don't know what you think, Seamus, but every time I switch on CNN, people are talking about uh, the end of Roe versus Wade. Yeah, it's a scary time right now. I, I don't know if we'll go down that road for another 20 years of not, you know, of that not being squared away, too, because, uh, you know, so many judges and appointments were left uh, vacant uh, by the Obama administration. And then mm. uh, you had uh, Trump come in and basically catered to the evangelicals and try to appoint as many, you know, mm. far right, uh, you know, Christian nationalists as he could uh, to all, you not just the Supreme Court, but a lot of the federal appointments and stuff. And people don't mm. see that. You know, that was a huge mistake uh, by Obama. And, um, Biden's come in and, you know, he could, you know, actually interfere with this, but he's just not. And I don't know why, you know, he, he hasn't even really come out and condemned it pretty hard. Um, so, again, it's going to be up to, you know, people, activists, you know, that's the only way. It, really, that's the only way things historically have changed here in America is through activism and court cases. Right. You know, um, you know what, uh, you know, gay marriage and stuff didn't happen because of a president or an elected official. It happened because of a court case. Same mm-hmm. thing with women's rights, Roe, you know, Roe v. Wade. The only way these things are going to be changed is if people actually go out and fight for it. Um, and uh, just hope it happens. But uh, it's a real. It's more than an uphill battle if the people making those decisions are, are you're on the side of the, the Christian nationalists. And unfortunately, yeah, it's, 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 I think we all we all kind of fear that. I mean, obviously, um, looking across the the ponds um, as we do, we tend to do in this country and in Europe. You know. Um, it, it, yeah, it seems a bit, um, a bit scary. And, uh, I, I don't know whether you, um, you're aware of this dominion theology, um, movement in the States. Is that, is that a big thing for you? Is that something that's, um, is that the quiver form movement? Is that what you're talking no, about? No, so this is, um, there's a, there seems to be a, a movement that is around trying to dominate, um, so, so Christians basically looking at the Bible and saying, um, you know, Jesus tells us essentially to go into the world and to make a difference. And so where a lot of Christians would think that's about proselytizing, these guys think it's about getting into areas of power like the judiciary, like um, oh, education. Yes. And so they're basically identifying these areas of power and trying to get their people into these into these positions of authority and power. What was that yeah, Netflix the last documentary last called, Seamus? Was that The Family or was the something family, like that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That just seems like an example of that, where these um, these uh, these people have quite a long plan, and they're seeding these people. I think there was a um, there was talk of that the 
the latest appointment to the Supreme Court as being one of these people who essentially have been kind of put through this, um, you know, that 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 sort of having her fast tracked through this through this process so that she gets to that that position. So mm-hmm. it's kind of that that's kind of terrifying that you've got this really organised long view that um, some of these uh, these groups seem to have, which seems much, much more organised than the left, which is too busy arguing with itself. And, um, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know. That seems quite terrifying to me. Yeah, I, I agree. The um, I think you're right about the Supreme Court too. There's um, uh, and lots, lots of money involved as well, Stephen, from some of the reports that I've read. Huge amount of, of money involved in getting Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett appointed to the mm. Supreme Court. And um, uh, I guess we'll find out pretty soon whether the people uh, who paid for those Supreme Court seats are going to get their money's worth, uh, which is the case coming up soon. Is it Mississippi or someone has an abortion case coming to the Supreme Court pretty soon? Yeah, it's either Mississippi or North Carolina. I can't remember mm. which one. One of the two. Mm. So we still have the, you know, what happened with Texas. Mm-hmm. So... And uh, I think they're the what the last appeal got taken down or uh, was dismissed. There was an appeal for it. And That's right. That was the judge, which I think was I can't remember if I read the judge was a Trump appointment or not. But. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I guess um, if you're a, so in, in in certainly in the UK um, as a as an atheist, I have no problem with just saying that I'm an atheist. You know, mm-hmm. if if people ask me that question, I'm quite happy to to answer that um, in the affirmative. But um, I keep seeing on Twitter, you know, questions like, um, "Would would you admit to being an atheist?" and uh, "Does it affect you getting a job?" and all those sorts of things. And that seems to be in the states, um, and that that seems. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't imagine that. Thinking that I need to keep that quiet. Yeah, uh, there's. <laughs> well, that, well that's right. Happened. There's a free thought profit, isn't there, Seamus? Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's <laughs> what really kind of started for me because I was a police officer at the time, and I started sharing memes. You know, how I dare I? You know, uh, right. and, and, you know, especially if if you were, you know, I think the more devout you were, and once you go to the other side, the more pissed off you are. Right. So you have that little six months window of fuck religion and flipping out, you yeah. know, and I was doing all that pretty, pretty loud and vocal on Facebook. And uh, I got called into the office by my sheriff and he pretty much told me that I couldn't do it. Yeah. So, uh, because, you know, he's an elected official and that would look bad for him. Wow. So I was like, That's okay. Uh, yeah. So shortly thereafter, I ended up making the free thought profit uh meme page basically uh oh. which actually we're on our fourth incarnation of it because of zuckerberg but anyways <laughs> um yeah so uh about six months later i left uh being uh into law enforcement and went to more of a uh social work kind of thing uh, and i yeah. just really found that kind of more satisfying and rewarding you know helping people uh sure. still needed to keep a low profile for reasons um but I wanted to do a podcast and I started doing a podcast. So it was initially kind of uh, tongue in cheek humor uh, kind of stuff, but um, just didn't really find a right vehicle to, to make it work. And I think it was about episode five or six. Uh, I was already decided, you know, man, I just, I feel like I'm, you know, alone out here doing this. I'd be fun to do it with somebody. And uh, of course I have, you know, Irish, uh, you know, genealogy, whatnot. Sure. And I figured, well, Obviously, you know, Ireland is, you know, the Pope's summer home. There must be some sort of resistance there, right? So I found Atheist Ireland, and I contacted them, and they sent John the uh, oh, poor, wow. poor guy. He had to come on the show. and uh, <laughs> But it was like kismet. I mean, it was just like if I was, like I was talking to somebody that I've known all my life, and like, well, I don't know, maybe an hour afterwards. Uh, I don't know how long you probably say, John, but I messaged him, hey, you know, you want to be a part of this? Cause I'd like, you know, really like you to do this with me and yep. And, uh, that's been it. So brilliant. So that, that, I think that's really important. I mean, I was, I was going to ask you what we do. Um, I mean, I, I'm always careful not to try and sound even, you know, evangelical because as, as you said, we've, we've come away from all that. Yeah. Um, and I, I do believe that people have an absolute right to believe what they want to believe. On the other hand, I also, I want to see more rational thinking and, um, 
more critical thinking and more you know more looking at, at, at facts as opposed to to mythology so how do we how do we get a world that's got more of that in um i guess one thing is having podcasts like yours and ours but what else do we do um yeah that's a good question and um i think you're right uh in terms of having those conversations actually with, with um some of the right people because um i mean you're not going to move the needle any by having uh, me and Seamus just talk to other atheists. I mean, we do that a fair bit, but uh, we've had some um, uh, Muslim guests and um, my friend Father Joe and uh, as a Catholic priest and some other uh, high-profile Catholic guests, the editor of the Irish Catholic, I think. Um, so... Um, yeah, I think um, uh, I, I have to say I do that on Twitter as well for the same reason that you described earlier, Stephen, that you don't want it to be an echo chipper just bouncing around uh, all the ideas that you already agree with. So, yeah, I follow a bunch of um, uh, devout and pious Roman Catholics on Twitter and um, uh, disagree with them a lot. Uh, I, uh, as my kind of penance, I listen to Andrew Sullivan's podcast, who's um, uh, a very um, vocal Roman Catholic. He drives me absolutely nuts. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, on the other hand, you get to see where someone who's obviously uh, an intelligent guy um, can apply. Uh, incredible critical faculties to whatever the political issue of the day is and then uh, immediately fall into pseudo profound gibberish when he talks about catholicism and um, so yeah i think it's important to um to kind of have those uh, have those other conversations too yeah that's a good point we've, we've not done that yet i think that is something that i uh, I really do want to do is is to get some some believers on. It's it's difficult with Jehovah's Witnesses because they they don't want to so, talk to us. That's what I was going to ask you, uh, Stephen. So, um, for example, Father Joe came on our podcast yeah. knowing that we're both uh, atheists and wanted to challenge his faith. Um, would would you have many leaders of uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses want to come and talk to you or? From no from the chance. movie that I watched recently, it's kind of part of the doctrine that they're not supposed to, isn't that right? Absolutely, yeah, not not a chance. Um, yeah, I mean, you might get the odds. I think Lloyd Evans, who's um, you know one of the sort of leading XJW activists, I think he's um, now and again he has a has a conversation with with somebody, but not in any position of of any authority, you know. So getting mm-hmm. an elder on or getting a um, a member of the governing body. Um, to talk about any of that stuff with with what they consider to be an apostate um and of course if you do speak out then yeah you are considered to be an apostate so i think we talked about this on your podcast um, disfellowshipping is is a um it is the the blunt instrument that basically frightens people into staying um so yeah if you if you discuss things with apostates then yeah you, you also are up for um a judicial committee um, in front of three elders and um, you could well find yourself out on your ear as well. Um, so yeah, it just doesn't happen. So it's, um, that's not, that's not going to happen, but I suppose, you know, we could talk to evangelicals and, mm-hmm. um, you know, others who, who yeah, there's lots of crossover. So it would be interesting to talk to, um, to talk to other people. So yeah, that's, that's probably something we need to do, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the um, the the kind of weird thing about uh, the Catholic priest that who uh, who's been on our podcast, Father Joe, he's um, he's kind of a minor celebrity in Ireland. Uh, right. So he's been on our main. Uh, there, there's a program on Irish television called The Lit Late Show. It's essentially our version of you know Graham Norton or something like that. The I mean the, the highest rated show on Friday nights. Yes, Gay, Gay, Gay Byrne hosted that for a long time. Oh, uh, yes. So yeah, um, yeah. Father Joe's been on there as a guest several times. Um, and uh, anytime the news wants a comment from a Catholic priest, he's the kind of media-friendly guy that they very often uh, go to. Um, so it was great to get him on our, our podcast. Uh, but the extra wrinkle there is that um, 
he was my religion teacher in school, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of the I'm the blood in his copybook, if you like, <laughs> the one that got away. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, there's so much more. I mean, the Catholic Church has been around obviously a very, very long time, and mm-hmm. um, it seems to have evolved into certainly in the West into a uh, obviously a, still a very powerful institution, mm. but. Um, but one that still has quite a lot of cuddly uh, people that you can that you can talk to and um, you know are fairly friendly. But Jehovah's Witnesses aren't really like that. They're, they're too new. They um, they don't have that that laid back. Yeah, well, what you're talking about there, uh, Stephen, I think is best embodied by a guy called Father Lombardi. Um, who was the communications guy. Uh, I think he's retired recently, but he was the communications guy for Pope Francis. And the difficulty for uh, Pope Francis or any Catholic Pope these days is that, um, as you say, in in Europe, the Catholic Church tries to have this kind of cuddly face, um, whereas in the Southern Hemisphere, very often Mm -hmm. Catholicism looks a lot more superstitious yeah. they go in big yeah. for exorcisms and all of this other stuff so yeah, yeah uh pope francis has to have uh, a foot in both camps which is uh normally results in something like um you know he said that thing um uh he was asked about gay priests and he said who am yes. i to judge or something like that uh, and that gets reported, uh, you know, on the BBC and in CNN. Look how cuddly Pope Francis is. And then Father Lombardi has to run out the next day and say, "No, no, no, no he didn't mean it. He didn't mean it. We still hit the case." Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yes, that 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 was um, that was Father Lombardi's job uh, for quite a few years. Uh, coming out the next day after Pope Francis said something cuddly to CNN, <laughs> to let it. To let everyone else know that no, we're we're still the uh, the Inquisition people that you uh, <laughs> that you remember. <laughs> I've only got a multi Python flash then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Anglicanism has got the same problem, hasn't it? Um, the the African um, Anglican Church is is very much set against the, uh, the 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 Europeans who are much more you know women priests and uh, yes and so on whereas as uh, that's very much again so yeah it's almost like um very very different sorts of uh, setups that's right yeah yeah and, and the, the weird thing is i mean um in in the west i guess um you know the more cuddly ideas as you described Stephen, get the better <laughs> press but uh, I mean, the conservatives have the magic book on their side, you know. So if if you take the issue that you mentioned about women priests, it's very yeah. difficult to read the New Testament mm-hmm. and come to the conclusion that God wants there to be women priests. Yeah. Uh, so um, uh, yeah, and on some on some levels, I have a lot more respect for some of the more conservative Christians because at least they take the magic book seriously. I think this is a really interesting dilemma. I mean, it's probably a, a subject for another for another discussion because it's a big one. But um, I, I remember, um, uh, I think it was a Sam Harris talking to um, uh, what was his name, the um, the, the CNN guy. Um, anyway, um, they they kind of had a discussion about you know Sam Harris is very clear about what the uh, what the Quran says, mm-hmm. and, and actually that's you know as far as he's concerned, that's what these extremists are doing they are following the quran and you can say the same about the bible you know um extreme attitudes are in the the bible it seems clear that uh, god uh, in the bible doesn't like homosexuals and doesn't think that women should take the lead and and so on and so on yeah Um, so the the message you get from the bible is that so if you're a if you're a kind of uh an enlightened uh, Catholic or Christian yeah. or even Muslim to try and bring your faith with you. You're you're going to have to do some pretty hard work, some gymnastics, really, to to get yes. people to see that in a different light. 
on the other and then there's people like sam harris and others you know actually kind of reinforcing that um like me i suppose and, and you reinforcing mm-hmm. the fact this is what the bible says this actually is you know and the the fundamentalists will agree yes that is what the Bible says. yeah so it's kind of it's kind of a dilemma isn't it we don't want to help those people but yeah on the other hand, i know what you mean i know exactly what you mean um and uh i mean the the, the difficulty i think for um I guess the more liberal Christians um, who might uh, agree with, uh, you know, I, I have no idea, but I, I, um, I, I would bet on the fact that most uh, people listening to this have reasonably um, liberal social views. Um, yes. And where we have, uh, let's say, a Roman Catholic who has the same kind of social views that might not be consistent um, with what, you know, the... Um, cave dwellers from the desert wrote 2000 years ago um i mean it it seems to me what those people essentially do is they read the bible in the manner of a primary school teacher correcting the kids homework so like they they know what the truth is before they start they know the truth is um you know you're supposed to treat men and women equally and you're supposed to treat gay and straight people equally um so they they'll pick up the New Testament and Jesus says something cuddly and they go oh well Jim well done Jesus you got that one right big tick yeah. and then uh, they come across a nasty verse and they say oh sorry God you appear to me in a, a schoolboy error here we better draw a line through this pit uh, so yeah yeah I mean they um, to my mind the I mean those people just do the same thing that we all do which is I mean we're starting from a blank sheet of paper and we have to figure out for ourselves. Uh, what's right and what's wrong and what is moral and what's not and what's ethical and what's not. And that's what those same people do. And um, if uh, if the New Testament happens to coincide with the, what they've decided, great. And if it doesn't, then we'll just skip over that verse um, or uh, insert some apologetics uh, here. That was only for the time or something like that. I remember I um, I was talking to a Catholic priest before, and I brought up the slavery thing. Uh, uh, the uh, okay, the New Testament is explicitly and overtly and repeatedly pro-slavery, and he said yes, but that was just for the time. Uh, and I was saying, well, actually, um, the Spartacus slave rebellion was fifty BC, something like that. Yeah. So. At around that time, your view is God was pro-slavery, and he was saying, yes, that's right. And I'm saying, so God watches the movie, and he's on Laurence Olivier's side, and he's telling Kirk Douglas to get back in the cage, and he's saying, yes, yes, God's on the Roman side when he watches the movie Spartacus. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, our what was the line with... JWs on that one. It was, I think, it was that um, it was a reality. Slavery was a re- slavery was a reality uh, in the time. So, and mm-hmm. it wasn't time for God to put everything right because it was still the Gentile times. So, um, it got, God basically told His people to, you know, uh, if you're going to do it, do it this way. But it was never His intention. So, in the in the sort of later times, He then outlawed it. I mean, it is um, it is mental gymnastics, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's um, ridiculous. But that was that was the uh, the, the explanation of that. Um, yeah, but um, hard hard to get your head around sometimes. The more you the more you look at it, the harder it gets. As you said, uh, reading Indeed. the Bible is the best the best way to um, uh, to lose your faith. Really, I think. Uh, well, listen, guys, um, it's been brilliant talking to you. Um, thank you so much for your time this evening. I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's, it's been weird without my sidekick, um, Celine. She's um, She normally um, pops in with some really good questions. So um, well, then we'll have to the moments when I've... That's a solid. Say again? We'll just have to do this again then, you know? We will. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it'd be great. Um, I, I think it's really good to have lots of different voices because the the atheist world is kind of dominated by by people like you and me um it seems to be um so it's great to have a young woman there talking about it as well i think so that's true to have celine on the show that's Um, true Uh, she'll be here next time i did um 
uh, I was involved in writing a report about the gender bias within atheism before Stephen, which is uh, yeah. very real. Um, yeah. And there are there are some explanations along the lines of, um, you know, speaking out against the faith is a risky thing to do. And um, uh, young men full of testosterone can be risk takers uh for you know the same reason why insurance companies will tell you young men are a a, a, a more dangerous auto insurance risk than young women yeah. um but i have to say that uh, i suspect another part of the reason is that if you get a bunch of blokes together they can often be assholes and lots of women don't <laughs> like assholes <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a really interesting question, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, it could, it could well be as simple as that, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know why why it is really, but maybe maybe it is that. Yeah, well, listen, the, that was a whole lot of fun. Uh, I very yeah. much appreciate your time, and I hope Celine's feeling better soon. Yeah, please. Yeah, thank you very much, guys, um, and yeah, hope to speak to you again soon. Awesome. What should I think about? Is an evil sheep production. <laughs>